Part 6. All That Glitters Is Not Gold. Chapter 21. On Monday morning, the children awoke to silence. Wind and snow no longer raged, and a thick layer of frozen white covered everything. No traffic moved along the streets, and for a time, no one ventured outside. It felt as if someone had pressed pause on the movie of life, and the whole town existed within a realm without time. Slowly, however, the neighborhood came to life. Snow plows scraped along the main roads, and power trucks rumbled to repair the lines. Children appeared everywhere, looking like sausages in their winter coats, building snow people and sledding down whatever hills they could find. By early afternoon, the Willow Valley kids had crafted the perfect sledding path behind Buddy's house. It began on a gentle decline that bumped around a corner at a huge holly bush and then careened straight down into the valley, flattening out to a long, smooth coast that lasted nearly to the edge of the pond. When their legs grew too tired to drag the sleds to the top anymore, the boys tromped through the deep snow to build a fort under Lookout Rock. Soon Willow Valley was a war zone of flying snowballs and stealthy spy missions. For now, thoughts about hidden treasure and money troubles were buried under the beautiful snow along with everything else. By Tuesday, most of the roads had been cleared of snow, and on Wednesday, normal life returned. But winter, with its cold temperatures and snow, was now well settled into the valley. Hunting for treasure would have to wait. On Saturday evening, however, Terence phoned each of the club members to call a Sunday meeting of their club. I've been doing some research about the buried treasure, he told them, and I have some exciting news. They planned to meet the following morning after Sunday school. For Emily, Sunday morning was one of those awful days that every girl knows about. Time to leave, Emily, Mrs. Johnson called from downstairs. Emily sighed as she looked at herself in the hall mirror. The hem of her blue corduroy dress had come unstitched on one side, and she tried to fix it with a safety pin. Her hair was extra puffy, and no amount of water or brushing would make it smooth. As if that weren't enough, last week Emily had torn a hole in the knee of her tights when she raced her sister to the car after church. Her mother had mended them the best she could, but now the knee of her tights bunched up funny where the hole had been. Then there were her shoes, hand-me-downs from her sister, Diane, that were clunky, scuffed, and, in Emily's opinion, ugly. Mother said Emily had to wear them until the snow had melted for good. Come on, Emily, her mother called again. We're going to be late if you don't come right now. Emily made a face in the mirror. I'll just pretend I'm Cinderella this morning, she told herself. Grabbing up her Bible in her winter coat, she stomped down the steps in a very un-Cinderella-like manner. When Emily got to church, she went straight to her Sunday school room, hunching down in hopes that her dress would cover up the mended knee of her tights. Usually, she sat near the front of the class, but this week the back row suited Emily just fine. A moment later, Heidi arrived. Hi, Emily, she said cheerfully, sliding into the seat next to her friend. Why are you sitting in the back? I'm not Emily. I'm Cinderella, Emily whispered fiercely. And in case you're wondering, my fairy godmother is on vacation. 
Heidi laughed. Okay, then. So, how are you today, Cinderella? Emily managed a smile, but as she looked at Heidi, a twinge of jealousy pinched her stomach. Heidi's hair looked soft and pretty, curling nicely under the velvet hair bow that matched Heidi's dress. Her tights were made of cream-colored lace and looked brand new above her shiny patent leather shoes. Heidi's spotless wool coat with a fur-lined hood was draped across the chair next to her. She looked like a fancy Christmas card. Heidi was talking to her, but Emily wasn't really listening. It must be so nice to be Heidi, Emily thought to herself. She never has to wear hand-me-downs, and she always looks perfect. Emily Johnson, you are not listening to me, accused Heidi. Yes, I am, answered Emily, trying to tuck her scuffed old shoes further beneath her chair. You were saying that your cousin's birthday party is tomorrow, and you don't want to go. Well, anyway, continued Heidi, last year's party was terrible. My cousin is so spoiled. By now, Mr. Ring was at the front of the room, and soon Sunday school began. Emily had trouble paying attention. Instead, she planned out all the outfits she would buy if she had all the money in the world. After Sunday school, the Willow Valley kids met in the hallway behind the sanctuary to hear Terence's exciting news. What sort of research have you been doing? Michael wanted to know. Terence pulled a folded paper from his Bible. I've been trying to figure out how much the treasure might be worth, he told his friends. The bad news is that I discovered the British Army didn't usually pay gold to their soldiers. What? cried Emily. All this time I've been picturing lovely gold coins. There may be a few, Terence said, but most likely the chest will be filled with Spanish dollars, which are silver. There may be copper farthings and pennies. So if that's the bad news, what's the good news? asked Buddy. Terence straightened his shoulders and looked rather pleased with himself. The good news, my friend, he said slowly is that if these coins are in any sort of good shape, coin collectors will pay quite a bit of money for them. One single coin could be worth $10, $100, or possibly even more. Heidi gasped and her eyes grew big. So what you're saying is? What I'm saying, said Terence, is that if we find this chest of coins, it could be worth a lot of money. Like hundreds of thousands. Whoa, breathed Buddy. If I even had some of that money, maybe my mom wouldn't have to work so much. I'd buy our house and put a basketball court in my backyard, Emily declared. Emily's eyes glazed over. Clothes, she whispered. All the new clothes I could want. And you're sure the treasure is in the pond? asked Buddy. That's where the clues point, replied Terence. All we have to do is wait for the ice on the pond to thaw out so we can go get it. The organ began to play in the sanctuary, letting the children know it was time to go in and sit down. For the time being, Emily forgot about her safety pin dress, her torn tights, and even her hand-me-down shoes. What lay hidden in that chest could be worth more than Cinderella's fairy godmother. It would solve all her problems, if only they could get to it. Chapter 22
The phone call interrupted Sunday dinner at Emily's house. Can it wait? Emily's, father's at, Emily's father asked. Mrs. Johnson looked at the phone and shook her head. It's my brother, she said. Must be important. She took the phone down the hall, away from the noisy table. They were starting in on dessert when she returned. Emily could tell by her shiny eyes and pink nose that she had been crying. It's my grandfather, she told them. He's taken a turn for the worse. Scott said they think he will pass away in the next 24 hours. Emily swallowed hard. Great-grandpa Allen had been sick for several months. And they all knew he would not get better. But somehow, it was still difficult to hear this news. I'm sorry, honey, said Mr. Johnson, reaching out to comfort his wife. It's okay, she said, even though more tears spilled onto her cheeks. He's suffered for a long time, and I know he's ready to go. Will you go to be with him? Diane wanted to know. Of course, answered Mrs. Johnson. I'll leave just as soon as I can get packed. Emily, I've already arranged for you to stay with Heidi for the next few days. And Diane, you'll go to the Sawyer's house. Instead of the usual quiet Sunday rest time that followed dinner, the Johnson's house was busy with phone calls and packing. Emily pulled an old duffel bag out of her closet and filled it with school clothes and pajamas. She was happy to go stay at Heidi's house. But once again, she wished she had nicer clothes to pack and wear while she was there. Why couldn't her family be as well off as Heidi's? The rest of the day sped by. Emily's parents dropped the two girls off at their friends' houses before leaving town. After the Sunday evening service, Heidi helped Emily hang up her clothes and get settled in. Long after Heidi went to sleep, Emily tossed and turned on the thick mattress of the spare bed in Heidi's room. Emily always found it hard to sleep the first night she stayed in a new place. Tree branches outside the window sent shadows swaying across the wall above Emily's bed. Frost glittered on the window panes and snow was falling again. Emily snuggled deeper under the thick comforter and looked around at Heidi's large bedroom. A grown-up looking dresser sat across the closet under a window-sized mirror. On the other side of the room was a beautiful writing desk and next to it, a glass cabinet that held Heidi's collection of porcelain dolls. Emily knew that the walk-in closet held row after row of Heidi's beautiful clothes. It seemed as though she had everything she could want. She even went to sleep in a fancy, ruffled nightgown. Emily sighed and rolled over. I'm going to pretend this is my room, she whispered, rearranging the feather pillow under her cheek. Closing her eyes, she imagined herself taking the porcelain dolls out of the glass case to play with them. As she drifted to sleep, the clothes and shoes in the closet became hers, and the girl sleeping in the other bed became a poor friend she had invited to spend the night. Wake up, sleepyhead! A pillow landed on Emily's chest, and her eyes popped open. It was morning, and Heidi was already dressed with her hair fixed. Emily sat up and rubbed her eyes. Hurry and get ready! Heidi told her, Bridget is making blueberry pancakes with sausage and scrambled eggs because you're here and we can't eat until we're ready for school. The wonderful smells coming from downstairs pulled Emily out of the cozy nest of her bed. I'll be just a minute, she said. 
After the breakfast table, Heidi reminded Emily of her cousin's birthday party that afternoon. Now you'll get to come with me and we can be miserable together, she said with a grin. But I didn't bring anything to wear, Emily exclaimed, remembering how Heidi had described her cousin's family and their parties. I don't even have anything that would be fancy enough. And I don't have a gift. We'll put both our names on my gift, Heidi told her, and you can wear one of my dresses. Emily felt excited. Then I'll really feel like Cinderella, she said. After school, the two girls rushed home to get ready for the party. Take your pick, Heidi said as the two girls stood in the large walk-in closet. Emily reached out her hand to touch the sleeves of Heidi's fanciest dresses. Satin, velvet, and silk in a rainbow of rich colors, all with hair ribbons to match. I think you'd look especially beautiful in the green velvet, Heidi told her, taking it from a hanger and handing it to Emily. Try it on! Emily hardly recognized herself in the mirror, wearing the emerald-colored dress. The deep green color made her eyes seem to shine like gold. Heidi helped her attach the matching hair bow. Heidi had chosen a blue satin dress with a wide white sash. It's camouflage, she joked to Emily. When you see the room where they have the party, you'll understand. Emily's everyday winter coat just didn't go with the dress she wore, and Heidi let her borrow a cream-colored wool coat with a fur collar. You look marvelous, darling, she exclaimed, stepping back to get a good look at her friend. Emily performed a dramatic curtsy. Thank you, Princess Heidi, she laughed. Now, shall we get into our coach and go to the ball? Before they left, Emily admired herself in the mirror. She had never worn such fancy clothing. When I get my own money, I will dress like this all the time, she promised herself. A half hour later, the two girls arrived in front of one of the largest houses Emily had ever seen. We're going to have a horrible time, giggled Heidi, linking her arm with Emily. Just wait until you meet my cousin. You won't believe it. The front door was made of carved wood and was so solid that Emily could not hear the doorbell ring when they pressed the button. A moment later, the huge door swung open and a man wearing a black tuxedo ushered them in. Emily gazed around her in wonder. Above them sparkled a gigantic chandelier. Two identical staircases curved down from a second floor balcony. Between the staircases, water cascaded from a fountain into its basin, and a statue standing above it held a cluster of gold and silver balloons, the only visible sign of a birthday party. Your coat, miss, said the tuxedo man, holding out his gloved hand. Wow, breathed Emily as she took off Heidi's coat. I could really get used to this. It felt as though all the dreams of her imagination were finally coming true.